So I was in second grade. It was Christmas morning. And I came down the stairs like I did every Christmas morning, flying. And I got down to the bottom of the stairs and I turned left. And when I turned left, that's where we put our Christmas tree. And that was our family room. And it looked like this even more. I mean, we had a pool table and there were gifts everywhere on top of the pool table, underneath the pool table. I just could not believe my eyes. As a second grader, I really thought Santa's sleigh had fell over in our living room and I could not believe it. Like it was everything that I could even have imagined. I just couldn't even imagine. I couldn't take it all in. It was like crazy. And I have an older brother, a younger sister, and we are all just mind blown. We, we just could not believe what we had seen. And even though that may have brought me great joy in the moment, it would be a story that would be shared in our family for the years to come of how mom went way overboard and created a lot of tension between mom and dad because she wanted to spoil us kids. Because my mom's love language is to give gifts. Now, if I was honest, in the Christmases to come, it was a little more like this on the inside. Right? I was a little more disappointed, maybe. Like, I've never experienced a Christmas like that one. And we all talk about it. And it set me up to... Feel like this, whether I expressed it or not. Now, as an adult, we may not express ourselves outwardly at Christmas time like this, but inwardly, that may be what's going on. But here's my question. My question for us this morning is, what makes for a good Christmas present? And it could be a different answer for each person. Because for some of you, it's because you asked for it. You, you, it's something that you had asked for, and that's what makes for a good Christmas present. But for others, you want the surprise. You like, surprise me. Like, I hinted at this ten months ago, and you are so shocked that you remembered ten months later, and you actually got it. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm surprised. You're, you're legit surprised. And to you, that was a good Christmas gift. And for some others, it's useful. It's, you just want something useful. It's practical. You know, don't get me all all the, you know, all the friends and stuff. Like, just give me something that I can use on a daily basis, right? And for others, it's you, you guys are hard. <laughs> this, those are heartfelt ones that, like, you, like, everything has a meaning. And even the way you wrap it, it has its, like, your favorite color. And it's wrapped just the way. It's just like, oh, my gosh, make it so hard. But for some of you, that is what makes for a good Christmas present. And then there are others of you that are just going to be more like me. Hey, is it fun? Then let's, you know, I'll take it, right? So you just want something that's fun. But as we move into this next teaching series... What we, where we are going with this is Christmas presents. Not presents, right? But presents. But we are going to talk about the gifts of Christmas. And to make sure, I know all of us are aware of how to define presents, 
But I um, looked it up in the Cambridge Dictionary. And the first dictionary, everybody knows this, right? Uh, the, the first definition, the fact that someone or, some, uh, someone or something is in place. So a presence, right? Your presence. But it's also this. I found this very intriguing. The second definition in the Cambridge Dictionary was presence is also a person's ability to make his or her character known to others. That's what we're going to look at over the next six weeks. Because in John 14 and verse number 27, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. He's leaving you and I with a gift. And it's a gift of peace of, of mind and heart. That's what he offers to every Christ follower. So, over the next six weeks, as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, here, is, here are the gifts that come from following Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at love, joy, peace, hope, and forgiveness or second chances. And we'll be looking at that as we go through the Gospel of John. So take your Bibles and go to John chapter 14. And as you're opening your Bibles uh, to John chapter 14, the big idea that I want us to be able to wrestle with today is this. For the Christ follower, we are promised the greatest gift ever. Yet it's often the most unwrapped, most unused, and least tapped into. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wish I could come to you feeling like I had a whole lot more experience than I do. But if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I feel the feelings, my feelings, I feel like such a loser when it comes to this. But... My feelings aren't always true. And what is true is the Scripture. And so what I want us to do over the next uh, few minutes is to look into the Scripture and unwrap, discover, tap into the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, in John chapter 14. We, uh, we're gonna, I'm just going to read the first verse and then we'll talk about the context. Why does he say this? Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in or believe also in me. Now, why does Jesus say this? Don't forget, last week we talked about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, right? And as he's washing their feet and having this conversation with them, he's explaining to them, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to the cross. This is my destiny. My destiny, right? Last week we talked about Jesus' destiny was the cross. And he went to lay down his life for you and I. And as he's talking to them, he senses this anxiety that rises among the eleven. This anxiety, like, what are you talking about? Confusion. What? You're going. Where are you going? We're not finished yet. Are we? We haven't... Like, where's the kingdom? Right? There's all this confusion. And then Jesus would tell them, Hey, I'm going 
to prepare a place for you. I'm going to, to create, I'm, I'm just adding on to dad's house and there's a place for you. And then he would tell them that he's the only way in, in verse number six. He'd say, I'm, I'm the only way to get to the father. And then there was even confusion around that. Well, how can we know the father? And Jesus was like, have I been here? And you haven't known the father? You've seen him. You've experienced him. But then in verse number 15, he says this. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my command. So he's like talking to Christ followers. Because the Holy Spirit is only for the Christ follower. And we know that he's talking to the Christ followers because he's just reminding them, hey, as a Christ follower, of course you're going to love me and of course you're going to obey me because that's what you do. And because you're a Christ follower, he says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Hold it, what? The disciples are like, what? What do you mean? He's going to, well, you're going to ask and you're going to, you're going to go away, but somebody else is coming? Who's coming? And this idea of counselor comes from this word paraclete, and that word means advocate, it means helper, it means intercessor. So what Jesus is saying, I'm going away, but what I'm going to do is ask the Father, and you know when I ask the Father, He does it. So what the Father's going to do, He's going to send somebody else who's going to advocate on your behalf. He's going to send somebody else who's going to help you. He is going to send an intercessor. This inter- He'll intercede on your behalf. This is what the Holy Spirit will do for you and to be with you forever. Like, I'm going to slide out. I'll be gone for a little bit. I'm going to come back. But the Holy Spirit will never leave you. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will have an advocate, somebody who is going, who's arguing your case. You're going to have a helper who's going to guide you and help you make decisions in the difficult times. Think about, think about the story of Christmas. And think about the news that Mary received. How hard that was for her to receive that. Like, how in the world is this going to happen? I've never even been with Joseph. And remember what uh, Beckett read this morning from Luke 135? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. How are you going to do this, Mary? Well, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you know what, Mary? You are going to be in the shadow of the Almighty every step of the way. He will overshadow you. He will protect you. He will be your counselor. He's going to guide you. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're like... But I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know which is right. Look at back in our text. Look at verse number 17. He is the spirit of truth. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He will always point you back to Jesus. He will always help you make decisions that are based on the truth of who Jesus is because the presence of the Holy Spirit reveals the character of who Jesus is. 
and what He will do. And He advocates on your behalf. He's like helping you. He's like, come on. Hey, get up this morning. Acknowledge Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit will empower you at work. Do you ever ask the Holy Spirit for help at work? Do you ever ask the Holy Spirit to help you to think through a project? Do you ever ask the Holy Spirit to help you write that paper that you have to write for the year, you know, the year's term, term year? Do you, ever, do you ever ask for help from the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is one of the most unused gifts ever. I mean, you've gotten the gift that you didn't even take out of the box because why? It wasn't useful, right? It's like you didn't ask for it and it certainly wasn't fun. So it was going under the bed or it was going somewhere on the shelf in the basement somewhere. You didn't even take it out of its box. And for so many, as Christ followers, that's what the Holy Spirit is to you. You've never tapped into the Holy Spirit. You've never had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. You've never asked, Holy Spirit, I need you to empower me today to know how to respond to my kids. Parents, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to respond to my boss at work. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to respond to my spouse or my partner. Because I don't know how to respond. Holy Spirit, empower me. See, this is a gift that so many Christ followers are missing out on. And you don't take it seriously because it's too mystical. And you know what? There is a lot of mystery around it. It's not mystical, but there's a lot of mystery around it. There's mystery around it because as we look in the Scriptures... You see people who have done wrong things and yet empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so many of you are like me, thinking, oh, I can only have the power of the Holy Spirit if I'm doing everything, if I've you know, crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's. But that was not the case of Peter. Peter messed up. Peter didn't get it. Peter would put his foot in his mouth. Peter messed up with the Gentiles. Paul called him out. And yet the Holy Spirit was upon Peter. God used Peter in a miraculous way. And guess what? You and I are no different. The Holy Spirit can be in your life in the same way. You don't have to be perfect in order to have the power of the Holy Spirit. But do you ask for the Holy Spirit? Do you ask for the power of the Holy Spirit? I think the Holy Spirit is an unused gift. It's an unwrapped gift. It's a gift that's inside of us. That we don't tap into. And along this vein, Jesus would look at those disciples, those 11, and he would tell them something very affirming. He would say, I, I will not leave you as orphans. Think about, think, about what, think about what a kid's parents feel like 
when they get left. You know, I've shared my mom's story with you before. But my mom was like two or three years old when she got dropped off at a relative's house and then with a mom or a dad never coming back for her. And then that relative ended up dropping her off at an orphanage. And it wasn't until uh, Raymond and Irene, who couldn't conceive, who went to go and see if adoption was for them. And as they walked into that orphanage, and as they visited with the kids, my, this is the way my grandmother will tell me the story. She would tell me the story. She would say, Rick, it was your, it was your mom who would stand at the chain link fence as we were leaving and say, Oh, please, pick me. Choose me. And Irene and Raymond would go home and decide, It's Margie. We're going to go back for that little girl, Margie. And they would choose her. Think about that emotion. I want you, I didn't even know this was a thing. Maggie made me aware of this. And, and she sent me this link. And she's like, sorry, it's going to be a tearjerker. And it is. Take a watch. Okay. okay, this is for you. This is from all Here, of us. Give me it, okay? All of us. Mom can't be there. 
From you I learned that dads can be involved in their child's life. Dads can be stable, loving, hardworking, have patience toward their family. Best of all, you taught me not all dads leave when life gets hard. You want to be a part of my life. You chose to be a parent when you didn't have to be. I want you to be the one who walks me down the aisle when I get married. I want you to teach me how to drive. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for everything. I want... I want you to legally adopt me. Will you leave the lady without me? I love you. Now, <clears throat> I want you to envision this is what Jesus is saying to you. He's saying, I don't want you be left alone. So I'm going to give you a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And we need to unwrap it. We need to embrace it. We need to welcome the Holy Spirit into our life. Paul put it this way. He said, instead, you receive the spirit of what? Adoption. You have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. I can, you know, when I was in Israel, the kids are crying out, Abba, Abba. And I can't just can't get that out of my head. And this is what Paul says, we get to do this. We get to cry out, Abba, Daddy. Because you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Not that we might be or that we could be, but that we are and I know sometimes you don't feel like it. And sometimes, and sometimes, you know, the, the voices that go off in your head. But here's what the scripture says. You are God's children. You have the spirit of adoption that lives inside of you. Here's the way he put it in Ephesians. He says, in him, meaning in Christ or because of Christ, you also are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's like you have a stamp over you. And it's called the Holy Spirit. And nothing can break that promise because this is the promise of God. But have you actually opened it up? Have you tapped into it? The Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1.14, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. You and I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and this provides for us a wealth of power. And it always doesn't have it does not always have to look supernatural. It could be just getting you through the work day. It could be just getting you through that one lonely night. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides. 
He provides a way to be like Jesus. This is what He does inside of us. That's what 2 Peter 1.3 tells us. By His divine nature. That means His divine power. By the Holy Spirit. God has given us everything. Not just some things in order for you to be the godly man, the godly woman, the godly dad, the godly wife, the godly kids, the godly teacher or the godly bus driver, or the godly factory worker, or office manager. He's given us everything that we need in order for us to live godly wherever you are at all times. This is a 24-7 deal. He's given us everything. That's what the Holy Spirit provides. He provides conviction of sin. I'm so thankful for this. Number one, He provides the, your first, the very first time that you became aware of your sin, that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in, in John 16, 8. He will convict the world of its sin. The He is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit's provision. This is what He provides. He shows us our sin. And then so we can stay in a rhythm of confession. He'll be like, Rick, you shouldn't have talked to your daughter like that last week. And so you better go apologize to her. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. This looks like that. It's not something... It's not always supernatural. He convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit provides the ability for us to share the story of Jesus. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells him, Hey, you go hang out. You stay there. You stay there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not just upon you, but in you. And after that, you're going to have power to be a witness a witness to what? A witness to the story of Jesus. You see, how many times have you prayed, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, will you give me what I need to share my faith story at school? Students, come on. How many times have you, have you ever prayed that? Holy Spirit, give me what I need so I can share my faith story with my coworker. Holy Spirit, give me what I need so that I can share with my teacher. You know, how, do you ask? The Holy Spirit is an unused gift in many Christ followers' life. Is He an unused gift? Is He an unwrapped or is he all wrapped up? He's just something that's somewhere in the Bible. You've never experienced. And see, that's the point. The Holy Spirit isn't just for us to read about in the, in, in the Scripture. The Holy Spirit is, is there for us to actually experience. We experience the Holy Spirit. Do you experience the Holy Spirit. He's in you. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? This gift of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Have you unwrapped it? You know, something else that's amazing about this is there's a power that the Holy Spirit gives us for unity. 
There's a power that it, uh, we don't have time to go to Ephesians, but if you read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, it blows your mind to think that people are so opposite of each other. Here's what it would be like. It would be like if Hamas and an Israel, an Israeli came, got together and said, oh my gosh, we can actually love each other. We can live in unity with each other. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is possible. This, that's what's happening in Ephesians 2. It's like that great divide. There's a great tension there. And it's possible through the Holy Spirit to provide that kind of unity. That's what He does. With people who look so much different, who who act so much different, who believe differently, but the Holy Spirit provides a unity around the person of Jesus. There's a power of His presence. Again, the Holy Spirit is to be experienced. The Holy Spirit's role is to show you who Jesus is, to reveal more of Jesus' character, are you asking for the Holy Spirit? For the Christ follower, we are promised the greatest gift ever, yet it's often the most unwrapped, the most unused, and the least tapped into. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. How about, Christ follower, we unwrap it? How about we tap into it? How about we ask that the Holy Spirit would fill us this very week that we could actually hear the voice of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, some of you are like, what are you even talking about? Like the Holy Spirit, who or what is that? And that would be the person who needs to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's why the very first next step says this. It's, this is for those of you who are not yet Christ followers. The first next step says, I need the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life so that my heart and mind can be settled. After listening today, I understand the Holy Spirit comes after I receive Jesus as my Savior. I'd welcome a call to discuss this further. So, there are connection cards. They shared that with you earlier. They're in the chair. If you're in the room right here, they're in the chair in front of you. Just reach up, grab that. If you're online, there's a link for that. South County, you have a hard copy connection card. If this is where you're at, will you please let us pray for you? Circle step number one, and we're going to be praying for you. The next step is for Christ followers. You're like, I've been believing lies that tell me I'm responsible for my own peace and joy and protection, but I need to stop striving to acknowledge the Holy Spirit as my advocate. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He advocates for you. Can we pray for you? Circle step number two. Put your name on there, and this week our team will be praying for you. The third next step says this. Pray that I can remember the words of Jesus this Christmas season. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. As well as the gift of the Holy Spirit's presence to calm my anxiety. So many times the holiday seasons brings about all kinds of mixed emotions. And I wonder if you just don't need to sense the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, will you please do exactly what Jesus said you would do and that 
you would give us another advocate, another counselor, another helper, because you were leaving. And you didn't want to leave us as orphans. Holy Spirit, won't you pour yourself out upon Hope Church? Won't you pour yourself out upon each person? Help us to continue to unwrap the gift. Help us to continue to understand what it means to walk in step with the Spirit. Help us to continue to understand what it means to go to work or to go to school filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us live in this power, I pray. Please, in Jesus' name.